Amen. Thanks to the Lane Choir, Stephen. Let's give them a hand. I want to thank Aaron over here for doing a special Easter painting for us. We're going to be in Matthew 28. While you turn there, just a few brief announcements. We want to invite you out this Wednesday night. We're having a special dedication of our newly redesigned fellowship hall. We have dinner at 5.30, and the dedication is going to be at 6.15. For those of you who haven't seen our new fellowship hall, it it looks really good, and we're just going to dedicate the space. And we're going to have an abridged uh, time on Wednesday night because we want to give everyone an opportunity to see the new movie, I Can Only Imagine. Has anybody seen that yet? Okay, some of you have. So that starts at 7.15. So after the prayer of dedication, we'll dismiss around 6.45 and invite everyone to come out to see the movie. So we'd encourage you to come. If you do make plans to attend, uh, write that on the connection card or email me so I can purchase your ticket in advance. So today is a very special day. It's a day when we celebrate the day that changed history, the day when Jesus rose again. And we are gathered together along with millions of people around the world. I don't know if you thought about it, but this is just one expression of the body of Christ, and there are millions upon millions of people around the world. And this is the most attended Sunday for all churches. This is a day when people come because there's something special about Easter. There's something special when you think that someone actually defeated death and rose to new life. I heard one African-American preacher say it like this. For so long, we were so afraid of death. It was like this big black pit, and we saw people fall into the pit, but we never saw anybody walk out of the pit. But one day, Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus went into the pit of death, but then there was footsteps on the other side. So now, from now on, we can celebrate that there's footsteps on the other side. Amen. The British minister W.E. Sangster in the 1950s began to lose his voice and his mobility. He had this progressive disease, and he knew that the end was near. So on Easter Sunday, he wrote his daughter a letter. And I want to read to you what he said. He said in this letter, It's terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice in which to shout, He is risen. But it would still be more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. So today we can say, He is risen. He is risen indeed. So let's try that again on three. He is risen. One, two, three. He is risen. So the question I want to ask you today is Jesus is alive, are you alive? Jesus is alive, are you alive? In your bulletin, there's a listening guide. You can take this out, and it has a scripture uh, for you to follow along. We're going to start in Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. 
there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Skip down to verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for your word. As we celebrate Jesus defeating the grave, Jesus rising to new life, we pray that you would speak to us. God, we know that Jesus is alive. Help us to determine whether we are alive today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's Easter message is very simple. Jesus is alive. Are you alive? I want to give you seven life-giving symbols from that first Easter Sunday. The first one is the startling earthquake. Look at verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. See, the two Marys were heading to the tomb that day, and they were expecting to find Jesus still dead. What's sad is the, the, the very followers of Jesus didn't expect him to rise from the dead. They actually forgot. What, what's ironic is Jesus' enemies remembered that he predicted that he was going to rise from the dead. If you'll read in the parallel Gospels, they said, let's seal the tomb, let's get guards, because Jesus said he was going to rise. But his own followers forgot it. So these two women, these two Marys, were heading to the tomb that day, and they were expecting to find a dead body. Because we read in the parallel Gospel, they were going to anoint the body with perfumes and different things they did to help with the scent of a dead body. So they came to the tomb that day, and they were met by an earthquake. All of a sudden, the ground started shaking. Can you imagine if you were one of the ladies, you went to the tomb, and all of a sudden the ground was shaking? Wouldn't that shake you up a little bit? They were expecting to find Jesus dead, and they were getting ready to come into an encounter with life. And what's interesting about this story is the angel came down from heaven, and he shook the place up when he rolled the stone away. And the ground was shaking and the stone was rolling because they couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. He had defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive. Are you alive? The second life-giving symbol not only is the shaking, startling earthquake, but we have the stunning angel. In verses 2 and following, it describes this angel stunning like lightning, clothed, clothed as white as the snow. And notice the angel produced fear both in the women and also in the guards. I find it interesting that he encouraged the ladies and said, don't fear. But he didn't give the same reassurance to the guards. Because to the ladies, he said, I know you're seeking after Jesus. And if you're seeking after him, you don't have to fear anyone or anything but God himself. 
When you fear God, you don't have to have fear of anyone else. Amen. But the guards were shaking because they didn't have a relationship with God. So the stunning angel came. The father sent the angel on a mission. And by the way, angels are messengers. And the angel was given a message that they should give to the ladies. And the message was this on the first Easter Sunday. Do not be afraid. I've come to tell you today that you don't have to be afraid. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to be afraid. The angel said, Jesus is not here. He has risen from the dead. One of the greatest strategies Satan uses to keep us in bondage is fear. And many of us, as we get older, one of the things that we fear the greatest is death. But let it be said, because of Easter Sunday, if you are in Christ, you don't have to fear death anymore. Because Jesus has already risen. He's been on the other side. And the message is clear. We don't have to fear. Notice the angel said, just like he said, God's word is trustworthy. You can believe the good news. We live in a world of fake news. We live in a world of bad news and a world of scary news. But I've come to bring you good news in a bad world. And that's Jesus is risen today. I've been sent by God to bring you good news that if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to fear anymore. Because Jesus is alive, you too can be alive. And the more you fully surrendered your life to him, the more you experience that life. Now, it's possible even for Christians to have Jesus living inside through the Holy Spirit and yet not feel alive. Because a lot of times we will give our lives to Christ, but then we take it back. It's kind of like, you know, Jesus, you can have me. But then we kind of get off the altar and we lose that sense of life. We still have life. But the more you surrender your life, the more you experience life in Christ. Jesus keeps his promises. He told us before this resurrection and crucifixion and all this happened, he told us in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know what? I'm going to prepare this place. It's like nothing you've ever seen. So don't let your hearts be troubled. So the same message that the angels gave the women, I give to you. Don't fear. We live in a world as I said, full of such bad news, but I've come to bring you good news today. In Christ, you don't have to fear. Look at the person next to you and say, Amen. Jesus is alive. Are you alive? The third life-giving symbol we have is the shaking guards. What's interesting, look at verse 4 in your scripture. And the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. Now, why did the guards shake? Why were they so afraid? Well, a few reasons. Number one, they encountered this angel. If you encountered a being that looked like lightning and clothes as white as snow, I would be shaking too. Another thing is, is the body was gone. And in that day and time, as a, as a soldier, if you fell asleep on the job, you would probably die, be executed. So they were also in fear of their life. There's many things they were afraid of. You notice in the text, it said they became like dead men. Do you find any irony in this? That the guards who were guarding a dead body, all of a sudden the dead body is now a living body and the living guards become like dead men. You see the role reversal? And this is the, really the gospel message that those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, those who have repented of their sins, dead people become alive again. And those who are living in this world but don't have Christ, they're like the guards. They're shaking like dead people. They're like the walking dead. They're walking around but no life. So the guards didn't have Jesus. They didn't know where the body went. 
But most importantly, they didn't have a relationship with him. Jesus is alive. Are you? Are you like the guards? Are you walking around like dead people? The fourth life-giving symbol we have in this text is the surprised women. Look at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now verse 1 is interesting because this day and time, unfortunately, women were treated a little differently than men by the culture. Not by, by God or by believers, but by the culture. And in many cases, women couldn't even testify in court. So do you find it ironic and interesting that the first witnesses are women that God chose? Do you find it interesting that the first people proclaiming the good news are women? They were the first evangelists, if you will. They were telling that he is risen. I I, I find it intriguing that God likes to restore all things back to creation. So these women are at the tomb. And all of a sudden, they find that the tomb is empty. And they were shocked and they were surprised. They didn't know. They had forgotten what Jesus had said. Are we a lot like the women? God speaks to us, but we forget. And because we forget, it produces fear. Look at verse 5. It says, The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Come see the place where he lay. Isn't that the greatest message ever given? That someone has actually defeated death and lived to tell about it? Isn't that intriguing and compelling that we serve a risen Savior? All the other world religions, the founders are dead and their bodies are still there. Christianity is the only faith in the entire world where the founder rose from the dead and defeated. And that's why Easter is so special. That's why people who normally wouldn't come to church come to Easter. Because they realize there's something special about the resurrection of Jesus. I read a story. This comes back from 27 years ago. How many of you remember the desert storm, the war and all that happened? This comes from that time. It was um, February 27, 1991. Ruth Dillo, she received a very sad message. They, they called her from the Pentagon and said, Ruth, uh, we've got very bad news for you. Your son Clayton, he's died. He stepped on a landmine in Kuwait and he has died. We are so sorry. This happened on Wednesday. And Ruth, as you can imagine, as, as any parent, was just heartbroken. She said the letters kept coming in, people trying to encourage her, phone calls. But nothing would, would console this mother who had lost her son in the war. I want to read to you what she said. I, be, I can't begin to describe my grief and shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I wept. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me. But to no avail because the loss was too great. But three days after she received that message, the telephone rang. Hey mom, it's Clayton. I'm alive. She couldn't believe it. She, she thought it was someone impersonated, but it was her son's voice. See, the Pentagon had made a mistake. Clayton had not died. It was, a, it was the wrong person. So after believing that your son was dead, true story, he was alive. And I want to read to you what she, what she wrote. Um, she said, I couldn't believe it at first, but when I recognized his voice, he really was alive. The message was a mistake. I laughed, I cried, I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, whom I thought was dead, was really alive. I'm sure none of you can begin to understand how I felt. I'm sure Mary could in the Bible. Jesus' own mother. Think about your son, he's dead, and all of a sudden now he's alive. 
So that's a true story that points us back to the ultimate true story. Everyone thought Jesus was dead, and yet he came back to life. Because the author of life, you can't keep him dead. He's going to raise again. He was raised by the power of God Almighty. So you notice the women, they were very, they were very afraid. And God reaffirmed them and said, I know that you're seeking Jesus. Don't be afraid. I bet there are some people here in the audience that have some fears and concerns. I can imagine a middle-aged man sitting here asking the question, what's the point of my life? Does it really matter? Isn't life just a rat race? Working from 9 to 5 and going through the motions, what's the point? There may be a senior adult that's wondering, what's next in my life? With so much in the rearview mirror, what's, what's there to look forward to? There may be someone that's single here. It's a single guy or girl, and you're wondering what significance does Easter have? I just want to find great relationships. I just want to feel content. There may be a young married couple that's really struggling. The kids are going crazy, trying to pay the bills, and you're like, what, what significance does Easter have to my life? There may be a student here today to wonder, that's wondering, does anyone really understand me? You talk about Jesus rising from the dead. What really does that matter? And the questions continue on and on. Well, I've come to bring really good news for you today. Because Jesus is alive, you too can be alive. It doesn't mean your life will not be devoid of problems. It doesn't mean you won't have sleepless nights. It doesn't mean you won't shed a few tears. But it does mean because he lives, you too can live. Jesus is alive. Are you alive? The fifth symbol we see in this text is the solitary tomb. The solitary tomb. Verse 6, the angel said, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I was reading a story about a five-year-old. He was driving past the cemetery, and he noticed that there was a big hole and a lot of dirt. And he looked at his daddy and said, One got away. <laughs> Aren't you glad that one did get away? And every time you drive past the cemetery, you don't have to fear death. My, my grandmother, um, on my mom's side, she never liked driving past graveyards, cemeteries. It really wigged her out. Um, she didn't want to think because I, I don't know what the mindset was. If I, I drive by it, I think about death. But you know what? On the day she died, she had such peace because she knew where she was going. She faced her fears and she had complete peace. And that's the beauty we have as Christians. As we talk about death and dying, May us always remember this life is not all there is. This is just the opening of eternity. This is just one dot on the eternal line. And it continues on. The greatest symbol of Christianity, or we could say one of the greatest symbols, is not just the cross, but the empty tomb. Because if the cross was it, and Jesus didn't rise, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that our faith is useless. All of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. If anyone could prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if they could find his body, Christianity would die and crumble. But you know what? After 2,000 years almost, they haven't found the body because the body's not there because Jesus is alive. Amen. The tomb was empty that day so that your life doesn't have to be. The tomb was empty so your heart could be full. The tomb was empty so your life can experience abundance and fullness. Amen. Jesus is alive, are you? The sixth symbol we have is a sudden visitation. A sudden visitation. Look at verse 9. 
And I, I just put myself in the, the, the shoes or the sandals, I should say, of the women. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So all of a sudden the women were afraid and full of fear along with joy. And Jesus kept reassuring them. The angel says, don't fear. Jesus says, rejoice. And here's the thing, Christian. Many have come into this place discouraged today. And Easter is the one day of many, but it's the one day we look back and say, you know what? I don't have to fear anymore. I don't have to worry. No matter what happens to me, God's doing something in me and for me. And I believe the presence of Jesus is here today. And through the Holy Spirit, I believe he's speaking to hearts saying, rejoice. I know life's hard, but rejoice. I know you've got challenges and stresses, and I know it's not easy, and there's health issues, and there's family drama, but rejoice, because Jesus is risen. Amen? Notice that Jesus appeared to the ladies when they least expected him. They were running to tell the disciples of what happened. Jesus shows up. Isn't it amazing that Jesus often shows up when you least expect him? Many of you have stories about going to different church services and different events, and maybe the, the preaching wasn't that great or the music you didn't enjoy, but God showed up. How many of us have ever went to like a backwoods place of worship and we didn't expect, and then God shows up? You know, the Bible says that where two or three are come together, the presence of Christ is there. So how do we know that he lives? It's like the old hymn, he lives within my heart. We, we sense his presence. And isn't it interesting when you when we meet with other believers, you can sense the presence of Christ in them. This is the Holy Spirit. And you're just like, wow, Jesus shows up. Now, notice the response in verse 10. It says, um, verse 9, Jesus says, rejoice. They came and they held him by the feet and worshipped him. You know, if we have had an encounter with the risen Christ, we should hold on to him. We should worship him. I find it so sad that so many people claim to be Christian, but they don't have that sense of he's alive. It's almost like we're still living like it's Good Friday. I've got news to you. Jesus is not on the cross. He's risen. You know, so many churches, it's like you go and it's like a death service. Every Sunday should be like Easter Sunday. Every Sunday should be a time when we celebrate Jesus is alive. If Jesus is alive, act like it. If Jesus is alive, live like it. Amen? Jesus is alive. What about you? The final symbol I want to bring to you is the sanctioned disciples. The sanctioned disciples. After all this occurs, we know from all the Gospels putting together, there are several appearances of Jesus to the disciples before this one. But this is a special one because this is where we get the Great Commission. The, the commission to go out and make disciples for all the world. And by the way, this is also for us, not just the disciples. Look at verse 16 in your outline or in your Bible. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but notice some doubted. And I've got to bring up a point here. Many of you have doubts. Many of you have concerns. Many of you don't really get Jesus' Christianity. And I've come to tell you, God can handle your doubts. He can handle your fears and concerns. But you have to go to him. You have to ask him to help you. I was talking to a lady recently in the community, and she said, I've just been mad at God. I said, we should tell him. He already knows. Bring your concerns. Bring your anger. Bring your hurt to him. He's the only one that can help you with it. 
And Jesus, verse 18, came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. A lot of times we forget with the Easter story, it's not just that Christ rose from the dead. That's, that's the climax. But it, it, it ends in the commissioning because we're going in his authority. It's like when you're an ambassador for a country, you represent the king of that country. And now Jesus says, listen, because I've defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave, I'm sending you out commission. And what's the commission? Let's read it together. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the disciples were commissioned even though they didn't have it all together, even though they didn't have it all figured out, even though the women at the tomb really had bad theology at the time, they thought Jesus was dead, he still met with them. He still used them in spite of themselves. I bet there's some here today that would say, you know, God can't use me. God can use you just the way you are, but he doesn't leave you the way you are. He changes you. The the beautiful thing about the cross, as we look at this painting over here, is you come to the cross just as you are, but you leave changed. The grace of God meets with you. So you take the, the frightened women, and all of a sudden, they're running with joy that Jesus is risen. You take the disciples that forsook Jesus and fled, and now you have them commissioned, even with their doubts and fears, and they changed the world. And we're here today because of those 11 apostles that were commissioned to go and tell the good news. Amen. So just by way of review, today we talked about seven life-giving symbols. The first one was the startling earthquake. The ground was a shaking and the tomb was a rolling away because Jesus had risen. We talked about the stunning angel. Imagine an angel full of light, clothes as white as snow. And the angel said, don't fear. We talked about the shaking guards. It's interesting that they became like dead men. And the person they thought was dead was alive. We talked about the surprise women. They came to anoint the dead body of Jesus. And they left having an encounter with the living Lord. We talked about the solitary tomb. One of the greatest symbols of our faith is the empty tomb. The tomb was empty so your life doesn't have to be. We talked about the sudden visitation. How Jesus often shows up when we least expect him. And we talked about the sanctioned disciples. You guys are sanctioned today and tomorrow and for the rest of your life to go and tell the greatest message ever told. And what is that greatest message? Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins. But guess what? He rose on the third day. So the tomb was empty so your life doesn't have to be. And if you give your life to Jesus, he takes a dead person and makes them alive again. Jesus is alive. Are you alive? I want to finish by reading something I composed. A few years ago, I I heard a message about death, and the phrase was, it seemed like death had won. So I I took some time and thought through it. Um, This was in memory of Wally um, in his past passing. But it's called The Day That Death Died. And as, as, as I read this, I want you guys to reflect on Easter. And I want you to think about the Bible, how many people died. Last time I checked, the death rate was 100%, except one. And Moses, excuse me, not Moses, Enoch and Elijah, two other people. But Jesus is the only one that rose again (laughs) and lived forever. So this is called the day that death died. I was there 
I was there the day that death died. For so many years, death had appeared to be winning. Adam had a beautiful pleasure of walking with God in the garden. He was created to live forever, but I was there. I was there the day that Adam died. Death cried out in victory that sad day when his body was laid in the ground. It seemed like death had won. Noah was born, and he gave hope to the human race. He found grace with God. He survived the destructive floodwaters, but I was there. I was there the day that Noah died. Death claimed another victory, another good man taken. It seemed like death had won. Joseph was a bright star in his day. He made it through many hardships in life. He survived the pit, the prison, and finally made it to the palace. He saved the lives of many during his seven years of famine. But I was there. I was there the day that Joseph died. Death conquered another saint. A man full of many days breathed again his last breath. It seemed like death had won. Moses was a beautiful child who grew into an amazing man. He led millions out of slavery. His eyes saw a better land, a promised land. But he himself didn't get to go. But I was there. I was there that day that Moses died and was buried by God himself. Death took its toll. Another hero has fallen. It seemed like death had won. Daniel was so special. He survived captivity in Babylon and was carried away. He was thrown into a lion's den. And he came out more alive than ever. But guess what? I was there. I was there the day that Daniel died. Death shouted in triumph. As another brave one was laid to rest, it seemed like death had won. Many years has passed since then. More heroes were born and the same heroes died. Then a different type of person came onto the scene. Jesus walked the dusty roads of Israel. He went around healing the blind, raising the dead, feeding the poor, and doing wonders like no one else had ever done before. For 33 years, the world was forever changed. As the word made flesh dwelt among us. But on one very sad day, they nailed the author of life to a treacherous cross. All of heaven and earth was mute and couldn't speak that day. The sun stopped shining and the world grew dark. For I was there. I was there the day that Jesus died. Death, hell, Satan, and all the evil ones threw a party. Folks, it was the biggest party you had ever seen in human history. They threw a party on Friday. It seemed like death had won. Saturday came. Another day of mourning for the saints and parting for the sinners. All hope appeared to be lost as death claimed another victory. As Satan laughed that Saturday, it seemed like death had won. The sun began to rise that Sunday morning. All the world seemed to be in slumber and in silence. Several of Jesus' followers approached the tomb to put spices on his remains. But as they remained at the tomb that Sunday morning, something happened. The stone was rolled away. The body was gone. Jesus was not there because he had done something that no one else had ever done before. Jesus gave death a death blow. The author of life killed death. And I was there. I was there the day that death died and life won. Because I was the angel. I was one of the angels at the tomb that day. I rolled the tomb away, not so that Jesus could get out, but so that his disciples could get in. Amen. So we talked today about death. 
Yes, there were people in the Bible that were resurrected, but then they died. But Jesus is the only one that defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave on our behalf, and he rose again. And the beautiful thing about that is it gives us a picture and a promise. See, Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof. And if we will put our trust in Christ alone, we can live forevermore. I want to close this with a, a picture of something that happened yesterday. And uh, those of you who can't see, it's a John Deere riding lawnmower. And my son Gabriel riding. See, there's a backstory to this picture. Um, how many of you ever remember the Terrible Two days with your kids and grandkids? Well, we don't like to call it Terrible Twos, but I know why they do. Gabriel's now three, but he's had a really hard week. We've had to take a lot of privileges away because he's just been, been acting out. So I told him on Saturday, you're not going to ride the lawnmower with Daddy. See, his favorite thing in the world is, is to ride the tractor with Daddy. He calls it a tractor. And I was like, I'm sorry, you've disobeyed. You, you lose the privilege. You're not going to ride. So in disappointment, he saw me riding and he couldn't ride. But as I was riding, the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, Timothy, I want you to show him what grace is. I want you to teach him that even though you don't deserve it, even though you lost the privilege, grace is getting something you don't deserve. So I called the kids in this little teachable moment out in my uh, front yard. And Kira was lined up. All my kids take turns riding. They just, for some reason, love to ride around in the mower. So Kira was going to be first, then Noel, and that was going to be it. So I let the kid that didn't deserve to go at all go first. And I explained to the other kids why, so they wouldn't get upset at Daddy. And I said, Gabriel, you didn't deserve this, but Jesus wanted you to ride the mower today. And that's the picture of grace. So there are some here today that you've never sat in your Heavenly Father's lap because you feel like you don't deserve it. Um, you don't feel like you, you're that close. But I've come to tell you good news. Because of Easter, you can sit in your daddy's lap and you can spend forever with him. And there are others of you who have sat in Papa's lap, your Heavenly Father. And because of different things in life, you're not as close. And today in our closing prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to not just say that Jesus is alive, but to say I'm alive with Jesus. So if you will, please pray with me. Right now, with knowing, no one looking around, I want to talk first to the believers. Some of you need to re-experience grace. Yes, you're saved and you're going to heaven. But you know what? You're not as close to God as He wants you to be. You're not even close as you want to be. And the more that you surrender your heart, moment by moment, day by day, it's a daily surrender, the more you'll experience the life of Christ. It doesn't mean it'll be easy. It doesn't mean you won't have stress. But you can say, I am fully alive because I'm fully living for Christ. So right, right now where you're sitting, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but just say something like this. Jesus, this Easter as I celebrate you rising from the dead, I realize I'm not as close to you as I want to be. I know I'm not as close as you want me to be. And Papa, I just want to sit in your lap again. I want to spend more time with you. Forgive me for just because I feel so unworthy not being close. I know that grace makes us unworthy to become worthy. So right now, continue to pray. Talk to, talk to God. And I want to talk to someone right now that maybe came today and 
you realize that Jesus is alive, but you're not alive. May today be the first day of the rest of your life. The good news is Jesus Christ lived the perfect life you couldn't live. He died on the cross for your sins, and on the third day he rose again. So right where you're sitting, if you're willing to place your faith in Christ alone for salvation, not good works, not baptism, not church attendance, all those are great, but that doesn't save you. To get to heaven, you have to be perfect. And there is only one who is perfect, Jesus Christ. So this Easter, if you're willing to place your faith in Christ alone, right where you're sitting, just say it something like this, Jesus, I know you're alive, but I'm not. So right now, dear Father, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that Jesus would become real to me like he never has before. Father, I ask you to come into my life. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And Father, I realize I'm unworthy. I realize there's, as you know, a long list of sins. And I pray for your forgiveness today. Step out of heaven and into my heart. And thank him. Thank you, Father, for saving me. For making me alive. With no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, I just want you to slip up your hand. I pray to receive Christ for the first time. I see that hand. Thank you. There's a party going on in heaven for everyone that prayed that prayer. Father, thank you that Jesus is alive and we too are alive. I pray that no one would leave this place today without being alive for now and for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, Amen.